0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Thanks so much for that introduction, Homer. Um, when he was saying about, <laughs> about the internship, Uh, He was like, I've met some of the most, I thought he was going to say like the most amazing people on the planet. He's like, no, the most perverted guys. (laughs) Well, um, let's just give Homer and uh, Pastor Homer and Pastor Lauren a hand of applause because they, I know, I know they're amazing pastors for y'all guys. Y'all guys are lucky. Y'all guys are blessed to be, to be a part of Grave Top Church and me, I'm honored and I'm blessed to be here to be able to share the word with y'all guys. And uh, are y'all guys ready for the word? Yeah, you're, I, don't, I don't know if you're ready or not. You all ready? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> all righty. Well, um, like I said, I, I honor them. They're, they're awesome people. Uh, and congratulations to, to them having their beautiful baby girl. Me and Homer, actually, uh, we have a lot in common. Right now, we're in a competition to see who could have the most kids under three years old. Um, and uh, we're tied right now. So, but I'm going to let him win that one because I, I don't want to go any more than, than we have right now. We have two kids. Uh, and I also want to honor my beautiful wife. She's not in here. She's over there. In the nursery, I believe? Kid's Corner? Yeah, Kid's Corner, there she is. She's in Kid's Corner, um, but she's awesome. Um, but today I wanna to talk to y'all guys on the topic of encountering love. Encountering love. And if you would turn, to me, uh, turn with me to 1 John, chapter four, or if you have your Bibles, you can click to them. I don't know if you, if you do on your, on your phone. But 1 John, chapter four, verse 10. I'm gonna go right into this message because there's a lot to share, and uh, I'm not sure how much time I got, all right? Yeah, <laughs> All right, I, I, this is one of the most amazing scriptures um, that I'm going to share with y'all, and, and it's in First John four ten. It has so much in this scripture, in this one verse. It says, "This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins." Like I told you guys, I'm gonna to talk to y'all guys on the topic of encountering love. And I'm convinced that every problem in your life can be fixed by encountering the love of Christ. I'm convinced that every problem in your life can be fixed by just encountering, having a, a, a fresh encounter with his love today. And if you're going through a fear problem today, if you're going through a worry problem, if you're going through anxiety today, that could be fixed by just encountering his love because his word says that perfect love cast out all fear. If you're going through a relationship problem uh, in this season of your life and you feel like it's, it's unfixable, let me tell you that his love can fix any broken relationship out there. And mankind, as for an example, mankind had the, the greatest or, or most unfixable <laughs> Relationship with God, but when love came down, when Jesus came down to this earth, He fixed that relationship. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, If you're going through a a money problem here today and you're you're having financial struggles, maybe I'm here to tell you that encountering the love of Christ could even change that. uh, In the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, God actually cursed Adam, and one of the curses that He told Adam, He told him, Adam, He's like, because of your sin. From now on, you're going to struggle to make a living. He tells them that. And he says, uh, from now on, the ground is going to produce thorns and thistles for you. I'm not sure if y'all ever read that before. Um, but when Jesus came down to this earth, he took that curse. And in his love, he wore it as a crown of thorns and thistles because of his love for us. And he's given us victory. No matter what situation you're going through, he could help you fix that today. Are you hearing me? Um, and I want to tell y'all this, uh, I want y'all to get this, that everything about your identity in Christ and your purpose here on this earth, it starts and it finishes with God's love for you. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something that you probably never heard before, but I want you to listen to it because it's true. All right. Your greatest purpose on this earth is not to love God. But it's to let God love you. Because it's not until you allow him to actually love you and you truly encounter his love that you're able to even love him back and love others. And the thing about his love, it's, it's unconditional love. Y'all have heard that before, right? It's unconditional love. And the Bible says that he's no respecter, respecter of persons. So he loves us all the same. Um, but why is it that there's, why is it that many people don't realize that? A lot of people have different levels of, of, of revelation of God's love for them. Why is that? And I'm going to talk to you all today. I believe that there's, there's a reason for that. That we, We've come to encounter God, uh, God's love to an extent, but I believe that he wants us to go deeper in his love today. Are you all hearing me? Um, and I want to talk about two people today in the Bible that encountered the love of Christ. And I want to show you all two ways that we can encounter Love, are y'all ready? Yeah. If y'all would go with me to John chapter four, and this is the story of the woman at the well. Is anybody here familiar with that story? Yeah. So I'm going to do things a little different differently here. Um, usually I would like read a whole passage of scripture and then give you points <laughs> off of it. I'm going to go verse by verse through this passage because it's kind of long. So we're going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to give you points as we go verse by verse Um, but let's read it starting in verse 6 so this is the woman at the well and it says Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk sat warily beside the well about noontime soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her please give me a drink and he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food but listen to this the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And when I was reading that passage, it it really jumped off the page because uh, a lot of times without even realizing it, we have something blocking us, but there's something blocking us between uh, God's love for us And our realization of it. And um, for her, I believe my my first point, that uh, I have two points for y'all guys. The first point is surrender. But the first thing that we need to surrender here is any resentment towards God. Surrender any resentment you may have towards God. And this is actually a lot more common than people realize. Having resentment towards God. It could have been after one of the biggest uh, circumstances in your life. It could have been, after the biggest trauma in your life, it could have been after um, a breakup. It could have been after um, after a divorce. It could have been. Uh, can I be real with y'all guys here today? Right. Yes. Um, it could have been after sexual abuse. Where you look, you, you knew that it wasn't God, but you look at that trauma and that situation and you relate it to God. And uh, you kind of hold God responsible for that. He could have prevented that. And without even realizing it, we have that resentment towards God. And maybe you're not, hey, I'm mad at you, God. But there's something that's in the way that's keeping you from trusting him. Has anybody been there before? Because I, I have before been there where it's, it's something that's uh, keeping you from giving your all to God or experiencing everything he has for you. Um. Maybe you had the expectations. You, maybe you thought you were going to be further along in life by now. Maybe you thought you were going to be married by now and you're not. Or you thought you were going to have the, the family that, that you had hoped for by now and it's, it's not, you're not there. Maybe you, you thought you would have the career you always wanted and it's not there yet. Or maybe it was after a job loss. I'm not sure. But whatever it is, we got to surrender anything that we may have that's holding us back, any resentment, any... Um, any kind of bitterness towards God. Um, even though it, it could have been after you gave your all to God, it could have been after you, you um, said, you know what, God, I'm going to give you my all. And I'm going to surrender. I'm going to start serving. And that trauma happened in your life. And like I said, we hold God responsible for it. Uh, I once knew a, a, a person. And this person had pretty much their whole life planned ahead of them. They knew exactly what age they wanted to get married. They knew exactly when they wanted to have kids. Um, They knew exactly what they wanted to do for a career. And when things didn't start happening like they thought or had hoped, I noticed that person began to start becoming bitter towards God. They began to resent God because they weren't married by the age they thought they were gonna be. And a lot of times we could have that attitude to where we serve God for what he does for us, rather than serve God for what he did for us, but we have to begin to change that mentality. And and you know what? I don't care. I don't care if God gives me another thing in my life. Uh, all I care is that what he did for me, and that's why I live for him. I live for him because he died for me, Amen. Um, but let's continue to read this uh, scripture in verse ten. It says, "Jesus replied. Listen to Jesus' response. If you only knew." Tell your neighbor that. Say, if you only knew knew. the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to right now, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And that's so amazing to me because if we only knew what God has planned for us, the purpose he has for us, the destiny he has for us, if we would just surrender to him, man, the Bible says that there's... No eye has seen, no mind has imagined the the beautiful things that God has for those who love him. And um, if you only knew, he says, if you only knew who you were speaking to right now. That's what he told her. If we only knew who God actually is, that he he not only has love, he is love. And when you get that revelation that God is love, you realize the purpose he has for you, the destiny he has for you, that. It's it's plans to prosper you. It's it's plans for you to succeed. It's not plans for you to be hurt. And that's the enemy's plans for you. But God's plans for you are so much more greater than we could even imagine. And let's continue to read in verse 11. This is her response. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you even get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So the next thing that we need to surrender here after, after reading this verse, the next thing we need to surrender is any deception that God is not enough. Surrender any lie in your life that you feel like, hey, well, God sounds good, but he's not enough. Because that's a deception from the enemy. And that's, that's what this lady, she had something that was blocking her, and it was a deception that, that Jesus couldn't have been enough for her. And if we continue to read in verse 13, it says Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Can I tell you something? Only he can satisfy you. And a lot of times we look to other things to satisfy us and we think that he can't satisfy us, but I'm telling you, there's an emptiness inside of every single one of us that only he can fill. And there's a void in your life that only he can fill. And we have to to understand that, that he created us with that void in our lives so that we could find his, so that we could find his love and, and encounter his love for us. Are y'all hearing me? So um, let, let's continue to read in verse 15. This is her response. She said, please, sir. The woman said, give me this living water. Say that with me. Say, give me this living water. That's her response right there. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Um, so she's getting it, right? It sounds like she's getting it. And let's, let's continue to read. So she, she says, I don't have to come here to get water. Verse 16 says, This is Jesus' response. All right, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. And then this is her response I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, You are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Say, whoa. <laughs> wow. Um, awkward, right? Just straight up tell her that. <laughs> I can imagine at this time, her, Jesus having a conversation with this woman. And the Bible says that the disciples went out to the nearest gas station. And they went to get some snacks, right? Because they were hungry. And I can imagine the disciples, while they're going and getting their snacks, they come back and Peter, James, and John are coming back and they see Jesus talking to this woman, and I can picture uh, James there with a bag of Funyuns, right? And then uh, I could picture Peter there walking, sipping his, his Coke, and, um, and they hear Jesus talking to this woman. And as, as soon as they're coming back, and they hear him say, you're right, you've actually had five husbands, and the man you're sleeping with right now is not even your husband. And they're like, oh, maybe this is the wrong time to come back. Let's just go back. <laughs> and they end up going... Peter, James, and John end up just bouncing out of there, right? And they're like, we, we don't want to be a part of this conversation. But listen to her, her response. She said, please, sir, give me this water. So she was sold, right? And uh, Jesus had this woman sold. It, I know Pastor Homer t- talked about a couple weeks ago about how the, the devil goes out there and he tries to, to, to sell us, right, on lies and different things like that. Everybody's trying to sell you something in life. But you could either believe the lies or you could believe the truth. And to me, in my opinion, I believe Jesus was the greatest at this. He was a great, I believe he was the greatest salesman in the world. Um, and he had this woman sold. But I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to notice something. Why didn't he, if he had her sold right then and there, why didn't he lead her into a sinner's prayer? Why didn't he say, Dear God in heaven, in, in my name I pray, right? And, <laughs> Uh, she receives me, God, right now. And why didn't he lead her? And he could have done that. He could have her, led her into a sinner's prayer right there. He could have even said, hey, well, you could join our church today uh, if you want to do that. We could, you could join our church. Uh, today we have our first steps class. You could go over here with Brother John, and he's going he's gonna to get you signed up for our first steps class. And uh, today, actually, Peter's going to bring the word. He's going to be preaching uh, 10 steps, how to follow me. Um, so you could go attend that class. Uh, and he could have told her that, right? He could have said, hey, do you, do you have children? I know I know you've had five different husbands. Maybe you have five different kids. I don't know. Um, he could have said, hey, we have nursery over here, right, with uh, Sister Mary and Sister Martha, and they could take care of uh, your babies. But no, he didn't do any of that, all right? Even though she said, I want Jesus. I want you. And she might have had the thought because he said, she, she, here she is. He said, you know what? I do want Jesus. I do what you want that living water that you're talking about. And then he says, okay, great. Now go get your husband she says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You have five husbands. And I could have pictured this lady saying, whoa, 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 wait, I, I want Jesus, but let's just keep that private over there, all right? Let, let's not bring, bring that up, right? And a lot of us could have that same maybe mentality where we say, hey, you know what? I want Jesus. I want you to fill me, God. I want everything you have for me. But Jesus is like, okay, great. Let's talk about that pride problem you have, Right? Or, you know what, let's talk about that lust that you have. And you're like, well, I don't have lust, God, what, talk, what lust are you talking about? And he's just like, you're right, you don't have lust, you actually have a spirit of perversion. And we need to discuss that, all right? Or, or let's, let's discuss that relationship that you've been in that's going nowhere. Let's talk about that, all right? Before you want me to come and satisfy you, let's talk about what's currently satisfying you. And... This is the next point is surrender any temporary satisfactions. Surrender any temporary satisfactions in your life. And I love how Jesus does this. Listen to me. I love how he does this all throughout scripture. He does stuff like this. And uh, when somebody would say, God, I want uh, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he says, "Okay, well, before you follow me, did you count the cost? And another person would say, Jesus, I want, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. He says, all right, if you want to be my disciple, then turn from your selfish ways, carry your cross. Then you could follow me. And then another man, when he talked to the rich young ruler, he says, Jesus, what do I got to do to be saved? And he says, I want to follow you. And Jesus is like, all right, we'll go and sell everything that you have. Then you could follow me. And the reason he does this, it's not because it's wrong to have things. No, it's not about what he had. It's about what had him, that rich young ruler, and it, that thing was holding on to him just as tightly as he was holding on to it. And a lot of times we could be holding on to things in our lives, those temporary satisfactions, and they're holding on to us just as tight. And I hope you are getting this. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. Am I okay? you I'm not getting kicked out yet. All right. Um, but and he told this woman. He says, "Okay, you want me to satisfy you? Well, let's talk about all the other things that are currently satisfying you. And he brings up this situation. And but listen to this. I believe this is what Jesus was saying. He's saying, let's talk about these issues in your life right now, because if we don't, you're never going to be able to experience my love to the fullest. As long as all these other things have your love. And, and he, he brings this situation up in her life, and, and it, it's a, it amazes me. Um, but I want you to see this, had he not done this, he would have been setting up this woman for complete failure. He would have been doing an incredible disservice to this woman had he not done this. You wanna know why? Because if he had not done this, this woman would have been drinking from two different wells. She would have been drinking from the current well that she was drinking from and she would have been drinking from the well that he offered. But let me tell you something, simple math here, all right? One hot well plus one cold well equals lukewarm. Are Y'all hearing me? And Jesus is, he's not looking for lukewarmness. He loves us way too much for us just to be drinking from two different wells and us, for, for us to be lukewarm. And not experience his love to the fullest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I've been here before. I've been there before. To where I was drinking from two different wells. And me growing up, I I didn't tell y'all too much. Uh, Homer didn't tell you too much about me. But I'm a PK, which is a pastor's kid, all right? So I was, I see Homer's face over there. He's, (laughs) yeah, PKs don't have a great rap, all right? But... um, I was born into this. My parents were pastors since my childbirth. And growing up, I said yes to Jesus many times, but I also said yes to many other things as well. And what it did is it set me up for confusion. It set me up for um, the wrong perspective of who I was and who God created me to be. It set me up for the wrong perspective of what sin is. It set me up for the wrong perspective of who God is. And I didn't see myself as a son. And I didn't see my sin as eating from the pig pens. And I didn't see God, my father, as, as my father. And that's what it does when you're, when you're drinking from two different wells, like this woman could have done. But in, in Jesus' grace, He didn't allow it. When we do that, that we set ourselves up for that type of lifestyle. And I want to I ask you this question. Have you ever thought about why there are so many Christians who have Jesus but aren't satisfied? Have you ever thought about that? It's because those Christians are drinking from two different wells. And but I'm here to tell you today that God is so good. Man, he's so good. He saved us from from so much, right? Can you agree with me? And he's so good that he does not allow us to stay where we're at. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay where we're at. And that's why he does different things like this. He brings up situations in our lives and and he he challenges us. Um, But let's continue to read. In verse 19, it says, the woman's response. She said, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Say that. It's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, uh, I like that. I like the Dang, man. Um, <laughs> I say that all the time. But here's the next thing that we need to surrender. Surrender religion. And God, God is not looking for religion. God is looking for relationship. And he created us not for us to be religious. He created us not even for service. God created us for love. He created someone that he could love and that could love him back. This is why you were created, for relationship. And a lot of times we can't worship the way we're supposed to worship God because we don't love him the way we should love him. And the reason we don't love him the way we should love him is because we're not surrendered the way we should surrender to him. And so I want to ask y'all today, what do you need to surrender to God today? What do you need to surrender? Verse 25 let's continue. It says, then the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So listen to her response. She says, when he comes, a a lot of times we have that same mentality. Okay. When I get to that age, then I'll surrender everything. Or when I get to my 30s, that's when I'll give God my all. Or when I get married, that's when I'll give up lust. And we have that mentality of it's in the future and we put it off. We put our surrender off. But listen to his response. He says, I am, which means the time is now for surrender. Because he is, he's the one who was, who is, and is still to come. So our time for surrender is today. Amen? Amen. Now, verse 28, it says the woman left her jar. Listen to this. This is amazing. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. So he turns her into an evangelist (laughs) and listen to her response. She, She tells these people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. So something about her conversation with Jesus and her experience with Jesus changed her completely to where she became an evangelist and went and told everybody else about him. But I want us to to focus in on her response. This is what she's saying. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Let me word it this way. This is what she's saying. Come and see a man who knew everything I ever did and still loved me. And it changed everything. And she went out and she, she told everybody else about her encounter with Jesus and then Uh, Verse 42, you can read it yourself. It ends up up saying that they all came and heard Jesus for themselves. And they said, we not only believe you because of what you said, we believe you because we've heard him ourselves. And that's why I want to encourage y'all. Don't just live through God through other people. We have to know him for ourselves. But the amazing thing about this is he, God is so good that he will come to us in the middle of our dysfunction, in the middle of our deception, even in the middle of our disobedience and he'll find us, and, and he'll come to us, and, and Jesus will step in and say, let me show you a, a better way. And that's the amazing thing about this, this passage is that he found her. Jesus found her, she didn't find him. And, and it's amazing because while she was over there trying to find so many other things to satisfy her, Jesus found her. And I'll prove this to you in Matthew thirteen forty four. That Jesus finds us. I'll prove to you that He finds us. Now, this is a one verse parable. Jesus spoke in many parables and and different stories, but this is what you call a one verse parable. And it's in Matthew 13, verse 44. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So, I read that verse so many times, and I misunderstood it so many times. And that verse is misunderstood quite frequently. And this is the traditional understanding of this verse when we read it. We read it, the kingdom of heaven is like, so we see the, the treasure is the kingdom of heaven. We see ourselves as the man, and we see ourselves that we find the treasure, we find the kingdom, and we give it all up for the sake of the kingdom. And that's usually the tra- traditional understanding of this verse, but that is incorrect. Um, first and foremost, it says that he hid it, so you can't hide the kingdom. It's too big for us, right, to hide. And uh, it says that he s- sold everything to get enough money to buy the field. First of all, the kingdom's not for sale, or second of all, the kingdom's not for sale. And even if you could uh, buy it, even if it was, you couldn't afford it. Okay, so let me tell you the real understanding of this verse. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Okay, so the field is the world. The man is Jesus. And you are the treasure. And he gave up everything to buy you back. And, but the amazing thing is that, see, this woman, these these. Her previous five husbands probably didn't see her. They probably saw her as junk, but Jesus saw her as treasure. And I'm here to tell you today that he sees you as treasure. The price for you and me was expensive. It was the price of his blood. So I'm telling you, he didn't buy you just to buy you. He bought you because he sees you as treasure. So this leads me to my second point. See yourself how Jesus sees you. The second step, the second way to encounter, that we're, we encounter his love is to see yourself how Jesus sees you. Now listen to me. Surrender is the way to see who Jesus is. And seeing who Jesus is, is the way to seeing who you are. And it's so important that we don't just hear about God and just come over the weekends and just hear Pastor Homer bring bring the the message every week and, and bring the fire. Right. It's not it's not it's so important not just to do that, but to hear God for ourselves, because listen to this. The more I know who he is, the more I know who I am. And the closer I get to his heart, the more I know his heart for me. So, we have to see ourselves how Jesus sees us. And here's the thing about his love it's unconditional. And what does that mean? It's not based on your performance. So, there's no pressure to perform, it's based on his character. And you might think, well, Stephen, I mean, I'm a horrible person. You don't know all the things that I've done. I don't care. I don't need to know all the things you've done because his love is not based on on who you are. It's based on who he is. And he's so amazing. God, God is love. So it's important that we understand this. And me, I have, uh we have two kids. My son, Ezra, he's two years old and our daughter, Adeline, she's six months. So I became a father when Ezra came into this world. And I always, people are always telling me, man, it's gonna change your life the moment you see your baby in that delivery room, it's just gonna completely change your life. But well, I'll be honest, it didn't change my life. I mean, <laughs> he came out, I was like, wow, awesome, cool. I loved him, and, and it was great. But, and I was up a lot of, a lot of <laughs> nights uh, that week and the next weeks to come, yeah, I lost a lot of sleep. But, <laughs> right? But now that, man, I love my son so much more now than I did when he was first born. Like seeing his little personality come out, spending time with him and him getting to know me, me getting to know him, and I love him so much more. Same thing with my daughter, I love her so much more now. Now my wife, um, we celebrated four years, um, May 22nd, so just a couple weeks ago. And I loved her when we got married, but I love her way more now after four years. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to love her way more in another four years, right? Um, but that's how our love works. It increases, and unfortunately, sometimes it decreases. But you see, God's love doesn't work that way. God God can't love you any less or any more than he loves you right now. Because he is love. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> y'all are quiet in here. I... I I need to get some feedback from y'all. to see if y'all are understanding this. Um, But we have to see ourselves how Jesus sees us. And there's no other, I want to give y'all the second person now. There's no other person in the Bible, I believe, that was a greater example or had a better revelation of this than the disciple John. The disciple John. Peter, James, and John. They were the three that were closest to Jesus. That's the John I'm talking about. Now, the disciple John, he was actually referred to as the love disciple. Have you ever heard that before? That disciple John. He's referred to as the love disciple. In all of his, the books that he writes. He's always talking about love. Right? Love one another. And um, he also refers to himself in his gospel. He doesn't refer to himself as John. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Y'all have heard that. Right? And this is amazing to me. This revelation that he got. And the disciple John actually wrote five books of the Bible. He wrote 1 John. John. 2 John third John and he also wrote the book of Revelation the last book of the Bible and then uh, the fifth book he wrote was the gospel of John and even though the gospel of John chronologically is before all those other ones the gospel of John was written way in his older age it was actually written 85 to 95 AD which was about 60 years after Jesus had already died so but but John John's gospel says things that the other gospels don't say that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, information and stories that they don't have. He actually wrote this, this story that we just talked about, the woman at the well. He's the only one to record it. John was actually the only one to record the famous, um, the famous scripture that Jesus spoke, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He also, he's the only one to document Jesus' words. When Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, all, all these people were following the commandments, the law, and he's the only one to record Jesus' words that said, "A new commandment I give you, that you would love one another." So John had this incredible revelation. He's, he's an amazing guy, and he even uh, wrote this in 1 John, chapter 4:20. He said, "If someone says, "I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we can't see? And there's a history, this is not in the Bible, but there's a history uh, of John in his old age. And he comes to the temple one day, and word soon spreads that he's there in the temple. And the people, the the church is is, is spreading it, they're excited, they're like, John is here, John is here, come come and see John, John is here. And so a lot of the people rush to the temple to go see John. And they ask him, John, in in excitement, they ask him, John, what was it like to walk with Jesus? What was it like to be with Jesus here on this earth? And John gets up from his seat and he goes to the front of the room and he only says three words. He says, love one another. And then he goes back and sits down again. And then those people come to him again and say, well, John, that's awesome, but... What else was it like? How else was it to, to walk with Jesus here on this earth? And then he gets up again and goes to the front of the room. And he says those same three words again. Love one another. And then he goes back and sits down. And then the people come and say, John, what's the matter? What's going on? Why can't you say anything else other than those three words? What else was it like to be with Jesus? And he says, it's because it was the commandment of our Lord Jesus to love one another. And listen to this. When you finally come to the place where you see yourself the way Jesus sees you, it opens the door for you to see others how Jesus sees them. So we have to get the same revelation and we have to see ourselves as treasure. We have to see ourselves how Jesus sees us. And I titled this message Encountering Love, not encounter love, because I believe that it's not about a one time encounter with Jesus. It's about us to uh, continually encountering his love, because if you think about it, the disciples were with Jesus. Right. They, they walked on this earth with him and they um, they encountered his love. But it wasn't until they saw Jesus, how they, until they saw themselves, how Jesus saw them, that they changed the world. And it said that the Bible in John says that these disciples, these men turned the world upside down because they had that revelation. And but we had something we had to understand is John did not start out this way. He, he did not start out this way. In, in his early years, he was far off from being the love disciple. And, I, and I'll show it to you here in a second. But uh, in his early years, he was kind of he was a little rough, kind of like Peter. You know how Peter's has a reputation for being a little rough and saying things he shouldn't have said at the wrong time, right? John was that same way in the beginning. And Jesus actually gave James and John, their brothers, he gave them a nickname. Jesus loved to throw out nicknames at people. It's funny. And he called James and John the sons of thunder. Have y'all ever heard that before? And that's actually a really cool... Nickname. The Sons of Thunder. Like if, I, if Jesus gave me a nickname, I would want that to be my nickname. The Son of Thunder. Right. It kind of it kind of reminds me of like Thor, like the God of Thunder. Right. And uh, I'm a big Marvel fan, so I'm a nerd. Um, but the Sons of Thunder. But in the original language, this is not a compliment. It actually means that they were wild, a little crazy, and they needed some help. So that's why he nicknamed them. The sons of thunder. And I want to show you a couple of verses about John that he did not start out as a love disciple. All right. Uh, In Luke 954. And notice these are not in the book of John because John didn't write these about themselves. So they're in the other gospels. So Mm -hmm. Luke 954. This is actually Jesus and his disciples went to a group of people and they were sharing the message of Christ with them. And this this is where we pick up. It says, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven? And consume them like Elijah did. So he's a long way off, right? From the love disciple here. And who do these guys think they are? They want to call fire from heaven and burn these guys up. Mark 938. It said, John said, so this is John. John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Isn't that ridiculous? But another another passage in the Bible, it says that John and James actually came up to Jesus personally, privately, came up to Jesus and said, hey, when you enter your kingdom, can we sit on thrones, one on your right and one on your left? And Jesus told him, he's like, you don't even know what you're asking me. And another another passage of scripture says that their mom, Salome, James and John's mother actually went up to Jesus and asked, hey, can my son sit? On thrones, And a lot of people think that's the same passage, but in two different gospels. I, I personally believe it was two different instances. That first time Jesus told him no, and the second time they put their mom to it and told maybe he could tell her yes, I don't know. But this is, um, that's how we can get. The way John was in the beginning, that's how we can be. When we just encounter Jesus one time or we get a word from the Lord one time and we never truly surrender to him. We never truly surrender our pride and we never... Um, We never continue to encounter his love. This is how we could get in our lives. And and we become impressed with what we know. And we begin to study the Bible or we we get a word from God and we begin, begin to become impressed with what we know. And let me tell you, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know and who knows you. And to me, that's the most humbling thing. Who cares what I know? Who cares what you know? All that matters is that we know Jesus. And we had to come to that, that place where we surrender our pride. We surrender all of those walls that are blocking us from experiencing what he has for us. Um, and like I said, this is, this is John. He had a growing revelation of Christ's love. And I want to show you all these scriptures where he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. All right. In John thirteen twenty three, it said, The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? So he doesn't even mention his own name. And then the next one, it says, John 20 and two, it says, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, you have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. In John 21 and seven, it says, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. And here's the, the last one where he mentions it, or actually second to the last one. John 21 and 20, it says, Peter turned around and saw, him, saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And then the last one, John 19, 26. When Jesus saw his mother standing there, this is when he was getting nailed to the cross saw her standing there beside the disciple he loved. He said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his own. So when I first started reading the Bible and I first came across that, I didn't have a great first impression of it. A couple things came into my mind. I thought, why didn't he say the disciple who loved Jesus? And um, <laughs> I didn't know what to think about it, but it kind of reminds me of another place in the Bible where it says it's in um, in the old law and it says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses did. (laughs) So it kind of reminded me of that. And I didn't understand it at first, but here's what John is saying. He's not comparing himself to the other disciples. He's not saying he loved me and he didn't love the others. No, here's what he's saying. I finally figured out that he loves me. Jesus loves me. And it became real to him. Christ's love after everything that he did for him, after everything that he gave, he finally figured out Christ's love. And we must get this same revelation. This was his identity. And John To him, it didn't matter what anybody remembered him as. All that he wanted to be known as was the disciple that Jesus loved. And as I close here today, I want to tell you something. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. And I could do everything I can to tell you that here today. But let me tell you when it will really change your life is when you hear Jesus say that for himself. To you. So we have to continue to encounter his love. We have to continue to seek him and to, to surrender to him. I'm going to close out with this verse. 1 John 4.10, the one I started out with. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Amen. So... At this moment, let's just bow our heads. Let's, let's close our eyes and let's just, let's just take a moment. Just a moment to ourselves with God. No distractions. Not wondering what's going to happen next. But what is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What is he saying to you through this message? What is, what is he telling you? Just take a moment and just surrender to him. Right where you're at. You could even lift up your hands and... That's the international sign of surrender. God, we surrender to you today, Lord. What are you speaking to us today? Some of you, he's telling you, I love you. Some of you, he's telling you, he's telling you, I'm your father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good, God. Come on, whatever it is in your heart that you need to surrender to him, it could be It could be what I was talking about. It could be pride. It could be anger. It could be lust. It could be any temporary satisfaction. It could be drugs. It could be smoking. It could be a relationship that you know that's getting in the way. It could be a mindset. It could be resentment towards God. But let's just surrender that to him today. God, we surrender to you. God, we know God, that you have good plans for us. You have a purpose. You have a destiny for us, God. And you see us as treasure. God, you see us as your sons and your daughters. You can't love us any more than you love us now, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to give a quick invitation. We always do this anywhere we go. Is there anybody here I want to ask that doesn't know Jesus? Or I don't know. if I'm not sure if y'all have been coming to this church. For a while and y'all have already accepted jesus but is there anybody here nobody looking around that, that could say hey you know what i i want to rededicate my life to jesus or i want to accept jesus as my savior or my lord today is there anybody here you could just lift your hand very quickly we've all received jesus today well amen well right where you're i just continue to surrender and i believe that he's he's speaking to us today he's wanting us to get this revelation He's wanting us to see ourselves how he sees us. He's wanting us to see others how he sees them. But we could only do that not until we encounter his love for ourselves. Not until we truly encounter him. So at this time, let's just stand and let's just take this time just to worship him and just to surrender to him. And I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Homer. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.